0: book of Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be spending all day in these verses this morning. We're going to talk about having laid aside our old self or the old man, and Lord willing this afternoon, having put on the new self or the new man. And really what Paul is giving us here is really the how to walk a worthy walk. It's one thing to tell someone, walk a worthy walk. It's another thing to tell them how to do it. And Paul is telling us how to do it here in these verses. So I want to read this morning verses 20 through 24 of this chapter and preach to you both this morning and tonight on being taught Christ properly. Being taught Christ properly. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him, just as truth is in Jesus. "...that, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth." There is a way that we have learned Christ properly. Learning Christ properly means that upon our regeneration that we have been taught that in reference to our former manner of life that you put off or lay aside that old man which is being corrupted in accordance with deceitful lust and put on the new man, that is to walk this worthy walk. There is a way that we are not to learn Christ, and that is to walk in the futility of our mind, or to walk as we have formerly walked. Christ teaches us, or the gospel teaches us, not to walk according to this age. It teaches us not to have the mindset of the flesh. It teaches us not to walk in accordance with the wills of our desires. Nor does it teach us to walk according to our desires. Paul refers to this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. That former mind is hostility to God. That former manner of life and the way that we thought and the way that we acted is not submissive to God. In fact, having that type of mindset cannot. It does not have the ability to please God at all. Thus, the foolishness of people who think, well, I'll put my good works on one side of the balance and my bad works on the other side... And if my good works outweigh the bad works, then I'm going to heaven. The behavior is important, but the behavior starts with the darkness of your mind. And that's where the problem lies at. Our former mindset is dark. It's blind through its internal ignorance. People are ignorant of God. They're ignorant of their Bibles. And even if they read their Bibles, they're reading it in ignorance. They're really not grasping the fullness of what the Bible speaks of. Paul would, uh, Jesus would say to the Pharisees, You search the Scriptures, thinking that in them you have eternal life. But those Scriptures speak of who? of me, eternal life, Christ. The scripture is speaking of him. And so even religious people can miss it because their mindset is dark. This is the way our mindset was previously before the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ shone inside of us. By his grace. Therefore, our former manner of life, our hearts were stubborn. Every time I think of the word stubborn, I think of Saul. Who picked and chose what he desired to obey of God. His heart was stubborn and stubbornness is as the sin of witchcraft, Samuel said to him our former hearts are hard dead to the knowledge and consciousness of god and the result of that is is that the way we formerly lived is that we handed ourselves over to the slavery of sinful thought and behavior we handed ourselves over to sensuality living by our senses Living by our feelings. Living by the way we feel about things and how comfortable we are, how uncomfortable we are. The world is always telling you who their God is. It's their feelings. They will tell you, check your feelings. How do you feel about that? They're telling you to consult the flesh of which they have handed themselves over. The word sensuality is used in 2 Peter when it says that Lot was oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men. Now when I give that, don't think that when I'm talking about sensuality that I'm just talking about homosexuality. Regardless of the degree of which you have handed yourselves over to your fallen desires, All of those desires flow out of sensuality. Galatians 5 tells us that sensuality is the fruit of our flesh. It's the fruit of our flesh. And this is the way fallen men and women live. And the result of their handing themselves over to Slavery of that sensuality is that they walk in every kind of impurity and every kind of filthiness that shows in every area of their life. And folks, the further our society is, I'm using it in quotes, is liberated to do the slavery of their sin, the more filthiness and the more impurity that you're going to see in our culture. It shows up in our dress. It shows up in the music that we like or don't like. It shows up in our media choices, our entertainment, our vocational choices. It shows up in the vulgarity of our speech. It shows up in euphemistic speech. It shows up with impure, worldly slang type of speech. It shows up in the things that we get angry about and the things we don't. It's amazing, and I'm speaking of myself also, it's amazing that we don't get angry when a person dies in their sins, We don't get upset if we're not giving them the gospel, but we can get upset over the silliest of things. Someone looks at you wrong and you're mad about it. Whereas the realities of truth and the realities of life don't disturb us at all. It shows up in the aims of our life, the ambitions of our life. It shows up in the choices of church that we desire to attend. We don't go to the scripture to find out how do we choose a church? What's the characteristics of a New Testament church? But we form our own list of things and then we go to attend one that conforms to the sensualities of our flesh. All of that is our former manner of life. We were enslaved to this. It lorded over us. And we do all of this with great greediness. And folks, when it comes to sin, the first time you indulge in something, there's an excitement, <clears throat> there's a tingliness about it, there's there's a joy about it that your flesh gives to you, but after a while it begins to get numb. And it ought to be a sign to us that our hearts are being hardened. But no, we just think we need more and more and more and more of it. Lost people do this with all greediness. But folks, that is our former manner of life. Dead in trespasses and sins. Learning the gospel of our salvation accurately and properly demands that believers do not walk according to this former way of life, that we do not walk in the futility of our minds. I suppose every man of God has had someone say to them that preachers shouldn't preach on things that matter to people's personal lives. They shouldn't tell us how to think or how to act or where to go or what to do. But that is not learning Christ properly. Folks, Christ has a conformity to Himself In every room in your heart, every way of your life, that includes how you think, that includes how you feel, that includes where you go, what you do, how you say, what you say, the manner in which you say it. And folks, when you think of it in that in that perspective, you really do in your heart of hearts know and you really see in your life that there I am so unlike Christ. <laughs> that really my joy as a believer comes when I do see the life of Christ being worked out in my life. That that's my joy. Not merely do I need to see the things that are wrong. They are innumerable. But the joy of coming to the light so that I may know that the deeds have been worked in my life by God. That is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And folks, when we stand at that beam of judgment and all of our works are laid there and the fire of the eye of God is applied to them and the wood and the hay and the stubble and the things of this life are burned up, what will remain is the gold and silver and precious stone of those areas in our life that we walked worthy of that calling by which we have been called. Things like the precious stone of humility, of gentleness, patience, walking in love, of fornication and filthy and silly talk, being not named among the saints. Of really becoming, not just telling people thank you, but becoming thankful yourself. In your heart, becoming thankful. And whenever I think of that, I always think of our Lord. He gets a few small fishes and just a couple of loaves. And folks, do you think that when He took that bread, and the Bible says... And he lifted up his eyes and gave thanks. Do you think that came from his heart? That he just wasn't performing a ritual of grace. But he was really thankful for those loaves and small fishes that he was going to distribute to the multitudes. It was a heart of gratitude. That's what I want to be. I want Christ to live in me and outward in my life. That's learning the gospel properly. Properly. Now, folks, for us to do that, we need to recognize that something has happened to our old man to our old self you'll note in verse 22 that here's what it means to be taught in him properly that in reference to your former manner of life that you lay aside or you put off the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit We are to remove all remnants, all remnants of our old life in Adam, the way that we used to live. Why? When this passage, speaking to believers, the reason why is because that old self is being corrupted. Do you hear that? That old self is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. It is being corrupted, ruined, destroyed, according to the measure of its deceitful lusts that are in motion in that. People who indulge in their fallen appetites and desires and cravings, the degree of which they are indulging in that as a lost person is the degree of which they are in the process of being destroyed. They're not building themselves up. They're not having the good life. They're killing themselves. They are destroying themselves. They are ruining their life. And lost mankind are enslaved to these fallen appetites, desires, and cravings because of these deceptive desires, lust of deceit. And folks, isn't this true? That the world promises life. It promises happiness. It promises goodness. But the end is death. You'll hear a fallen person say, I can't wait till Friday. What's so special about Friday? Because that's the day they're off work and they can go and really indulge in the things that they want to indulge in. Isn't it amazing that the world actually calls this life the night life. Think about it. The night darkness. The night type of life. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is what? It's death. And folks, if you really think about it, And you think about how deceitful these lusts are that promise you life and joy. Oh, if I just had that man as a husband, if I had just had that woman as my wife, everything would be great. And there might and should be some goodness with that. But if that's where you're seeking to find your ultimate joy... They are deceitful lust. They are deceitful appetites and desires. And folks, if we just pause and think about this just for a second, and we think about the creation, God created everything, the material world, in how many days? Six days, right? And at the end of that he said everything that he had created was very what it was very good the temperature was always right the climate was always pleasing no death no sorrow All the animals got along together and with you. (laughs) Everything lived for the glory of God. Man walked in the cool of the garden, hearing the voice of the Lord. It was very good. What happened? We sinned and ruined it. We ruined it. Adam, I am sure, had no idea of the ruin that he brought upon the world through sin. And folks, he died... He died, if you trace the lineages out, and if there are no gaps in there, and there might be some, but if you trace those lineages out, you will find out that Adam just died two generations from the flood. And you remember what God said? The imagination of man's heart is evil continually. And violence reigned upon the earth. What brought all that deceitful lust? They looked upon that tree. It looked good for food. It looked like it was something to make me wise. And they transgressed the law of God. And all mankind has suffered under that curse ever since. And folks, if you think about the millions and billions and innumerable numbers of sin that mankind is committing today, is it any wonder that our world is not in worse shape than it is? I'll tell you why. Because God is restraining it. Folks, does it not make sense that you and I need to be saved from that former manner of life? And does it not make sense that Paul would write that to learn the gospel properly to know it accurately it begins with your mind about your former manner of life that you put it off that you lay it aside now folks the reason why you and I can walk a worthy walk that we can put off the old man or the old self is because that old man has already been put off. And it was put off in the death of Jesus Christ. Our having laid aside our old self occurred in Christ and was effective in history at the point of our justification. And I want to show two passages here that help us with that and kind of lay us up so that we understand exactly where Paul is arguing from. I want you to look at Romans chapter 6, which was our scripture reading. Paul is answering the question, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the answer to that is, God forbid, or may it never be. And he makes the statement in verse 2, how shall we who what? Died to sin still live in it. Everybody see that? We died to sin. And he goes on and talks about when that happened and how that happened. It happened in our union with Christ. That In his death, burial, and resurrection, it was effective for all believers in him. And you've heard me say this that for a believer, when Christ died, we died. Do you hear that? When Christ was buried, we were buried. And when Christ rose from the grave, we what? We rose in Him at that historical moment, effective when we were first born and then was second born. This happened in Him. This is the good news. And folks, what was put to death was our old man. Look at verse 6. Paul says, look, I'm writing these things about our union in Christ because you know this. Folks, if he said in Romans 6.6 that the Romans know this, that means they have been taught this. This isn't knowledge for a second-tier Christian. This was given to the Romans when they were given the gospel and the ramifications of that gospel. What it meant. Knowing this, verse 6, that our old self was, note that, present or past, past, was crucified with him. So what we know is this, that our old self or our old man was put to death when? When Christ was crucified. When He died. When He died, believers died with Him To sin. Here it's called the old self. Now, the question is, what is the old self? Some people teach that the old self or the old man is our sinful nature. And that is not correct. And folks, I don't have to really go into the text to show this. How many believing people do you know still have a sinful nature? How about you? Do you struggle with a sinful nature? The answer to that is yes. Yes. Some people think that the old self refers to <clears throat> the body of sin. Well, it can't refer to the body of sin because he mentions that in verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. Why? In order that something had to happen so that our body of sin, our body of sin, might be done away with or might be rendered ineffective, why does that need to happen so that we would no longer be slaves slaves to sin? Everybody see that? Folks, you don't crucify the old man. The old man is already dead. Then what is the old man? The old man is my old self in Adam. My old self in Adam. Every human being enters into this world in Adam. Therefore, they are under the condemnation of Adam, right? He sinned. The penalty of that sin was physical death and ultimately the second death, or spiritual death. All mankind was in Adam. But now, having become a believer, something happened. That is, my old self was crucified in him. That is, my old self in Adam was put to death. Now, Paul's going to elaborate on this if you turn over, maybe on the same page in your Bible, if you go over to Romans 7 and just look at the first four verses. He says, Do you not know, brethren, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, <clears throat> that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as they what? They live. Alright, well let's talk about the law of marriage. Verse 2. The married woman is bound by a law to her husband while he is while he's living, while he's alive, all right? So everybody see this? You got, a, you got a man, you got a woman, right? They come together in marriage, and they're no longer two, but one, all right? So too, we enter into this world married... In Adam. Adam and us are one. We're unioned in Adam. Therefore, we are under that condemnation. Alright, but in talking about a married woman and her husband, look at verse 2, what if her husband dies? Is she still bound to her husband? The answer to that is no. In other words... She's not bound under the law to her husband because her husband died. She's released, verse 2, Romans 7, she's released from the law concerning her husband. All right, what if she gets married again? Can she get married again? Yes. Yes. Why? Because her first husband is is dead. She's freed from the law of her husband. Now she's released so that she can be married again. Now if her husband's living, verse 3, and she is joined to another man, she should be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is not an adulteress even though she's joined to another man. So everybody following me with this, right? She's one with her husband. The two become one flesh. Till death do you part. All right, if her husband dies, can she get married to another man? Yes. Yes. All right, verse 4, Romans 7. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ so that you might be joined to another to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. Alright, now here's the illustration. I, Frank Jones, entered into this world married or bound by the law to Adam. I'm in Adam. But Christ died. And when He died and I came to Christ, I died. It's not that the law died or Adam died. I died. So in the illustration between the married woman and her husband, who dies? The husband dies. So she's free to marry another. But here in Christ, I'm in Adam. I don't die, but he what? Excuse me. Adam doesn't die, but I die. I die to being in Adam, therefore I die to the law, and I die to sin, being in that position. And folks, that's exactly what happened. Alright, you got this union, you got in Adam, the two is one, I'm in Adam, alright. But if I die, if I die, and I'm raised back to life, and I'm, am I under the law to Adam? No, I'm free to be married to someone else. And that someone else is the Son of God. So now, I'm no longer in Adam, but I'm in in Christ. We're one. And Paul's going to talk about this in Ephesians 5. We are of His flesh and of His bones. We have been baptized into the body of Jesus Christ. I am married to him. He is my Lord. He is my husband. He's my Baal. He's my master. Everybody following the illustration here? And folks, what that means is that at the point of my salvation, something happened. The old man my old self in Adam died so that no longer, no longer does sin have lordship over me. Folks, you recall in Peter that Sarah showed her reverence to her husband by calling him Lord, Master. In my former manner of life, what was master over me? What was Lord over me? Sin was Lord over me. But I died. In my dying in Christ, sin no longer has lordship or dominion over me because I have been married to another Christ and He is now Lord over me. And this is why, if you look down in Romans 6 and look at verse 14, he says, because of this, sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under what? Grace. Grace. Everybody see that? And this is exactly what Paul says in Romans 5 verse 21, that just as sin reigned reigned was Lord in death just as sin reigned in death even so now grace would reign through righteousness and eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord something's happened that is radical and because we are now slaves to righteousness look at verse 17 of Romans 6 but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, sin had lordship over you, but then it was snapped when your old man was crucified with Christ. You became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you have were committed. And having been freed from sin, now you are slaves of righteousness. Everybody, Everybody see what happened there. Now, That lordship, sin does not have lordship over you any longer. But the remnants of that sinful nature is still moving through your body. Look at what it says, Romans 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him In order that our, everybody see that? Does Paul have this? Our body of sin might be done away with. That crucifixion happens so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Because if you died your old man in Adam was put to death, you are freed from that. You are freed from the lordship of sin and death in your life. And folks, this body of sin, do you have a body? Mm -hmm. This body of sin is being done away with. Now, when I say that, it doesn't mean that your body is sinful. Your body is not sinful. But there's something in your body that is. And that's, that's sinful motions of that nature. And folks, I can just, I can just ask you whether or not <clears throat> the body of sin is going to be rendered... Ineffective or done away with by asking you this question Have you looked in the mirror? Do you look youthful? Do you look there and begin to see the wear and the tear of this life on your body? Do you not know as you look around or you go to a funeral, do you not learn the lesson that God has for you there? And you look in that casket and what you see is a body of this death. Your spirit, believer, and your soul has been freed from the lordship of sin and death. But your body is still under the death penalty. Is your body lost? No. It will be raised by the power of God to no longer be a corruptible body, but a glorified body that will never die will never get old, will never weaken in any shape, fashion, or form. Will not be affected by disease. Will not be affected by sickness. Will not be affected by allergies. Will not be affected by asthma. None of that. None of that. How do I know that? Because Christ was raised in a glorified what? Body. And I'm in Him. And He's in me. It is the body of this death where the deceitful lust of our sin nature move. In other words, folks, I could word it this way. The Lordship, the reign of sin has been broken. But the presence of sin is still very much active. And you know that, do you not? And folks, there's no better way to see this than at the end of Romans 7. Romans 7 gives to us this amazing wretchedness that we live in right now. Paul says, verse 21, I find then the principle or a, a law that when evil is present in me, that is the one who wants to do good, that when you will to do good, you find there's something else there that is willing to do evil. This is why you still do evil when you want to do good. Right? This is how you and I know our will isn't strong enough. If when I will to do good, evil is still present with me, and when Paul says, look, when I do the very thing I don't want to do, That means my will's not strong enough. This evil that is present with me rises up its head. Now look at verse 22 of Romans 7. Look at at the difference. Paul says, I joyfully concur with the law of God where? Everybody see that? In the inner man. But I see a different law where? In the members of my body. What is it doing? Waging war against the law of my mind. What's going on in Paul's mind? He's delighting in the law of God in the inner man. There's a change inside, isn't there? There's life inside. We love the Lord, there's a delight in purity. There's a delight in cleanness. There's a delight in righteousness. There's a delight to see God living in us and through us. That's in our inner man. But there's another warfare that's going on in the members of my body. And it is waging war against my will and my mind and the things that I delight and joy in and what it does folks, it wants to make you a prisoner, it wants to take you into captivity to the law of sin that's not lording over me but it's in my it's in my members, everybody see that and folks, what Paul's going to say here is this Paul says, I feel like I feel like I'm in prison. (laughs) Here I am, saved, born again by the grace of God, but I'm imprisoned in this body. This body of death, where the law of sin is still seeking to gain me as its captive. This law sin that is warring against me—how bad can the battle become? Verse twenty-four: Wretched man that I am! You ever feel that? You ever say to yourself, "I'm just wretched. I'm—I'm I'm really working." to have my mind renewed, to walk in the things of this life properly, to walk that worthy walk, but there's something warring against me. And folks, the more you grow in conforming to Christ, I'll tell you what will happen. The more you will look for the day where the body of this death is no longer. That you are, as it were, freed from the imprisonment of this body, to be with Christ. Didn't Paul say, to be with Christ is far better? For to me to live is Christ. To die, gain. Everybody see that? Now folks, <clears throat> we come to see That even though the lordship of sin has been snapped in my life, sin in my mortal body is always seeking to bring me captivity to its desires. That means things like this. Deceit will battle you. Hypocrisy will battle you. Envy will battle you. Slander will battle you filthiness, wickedness, encumbrances, doubts, malice, anger, wrath, abusive speech, bitterness, clamor, and such like are battling against you. It's a battle. And folks, contrary to what you may have heard preachers preach, there is no second tier Christianity where these battles are not. The absence of the battle long term could be a danger signal. Mm-hmm. The frequency of the battle might just be in proportion to your increasing desire to be conformed into His image. This body of sin doesn't want that. It's hostile against God. It's unsubmissive to God. It can't please God. And it doesn't want you to do that. And what that means is this, that my bodily desires, my bodily appetites, and my spiritual desires will come into conflict. And isn't that what Galatians 5 says? That the flesh lusts against the spirit. It desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Now, thanks be to God, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But it is a slow pilgrim progress in this life. And folks, what we have by our fallen nature is that we have arenas of our behavior even as believers, that we have darkened understanding about. And that darkened understanding will be at war with illumined understanding. You ever wondered why it's so hard to read your Bible? And it's so easy to read a novel. You ever wondered? Why is everybody against the Bible? Because the darkness doesn't like the light. And, folks, the way this, for you and I to understand what I just gave to you will help you in your Christian life so that you may know the difference. Your body of this death, your sinful nature that is in your body will try to convince you that you are still one in Adam. It will try to convince you that it still has lordship over you. It will tell you. Have you ever heard Christians say this? I can't stop this. If you're a believer, you can win that warfare. You can struggle forward by the grace of God. Now, All of that flows out of that darkened understanding. All right. Well, if darkened understanding is the problem, what do you think the solution is? Enlightened understanding. It begins with putting off. How can I put off? Folks, look look here. Go back to Ephesians. I'm going to close here. Look back at Ephesians. It says in verse 22 that you lay aside the old self. Well, how can I do that? Folks, the only way that you can do that, the only way that you can lay aside the old behavior is if the Lordship has already been snapped. Then look at verse 25. Therefore doing what with falsehood? Laying aside. Everybody see that? Ephesians 4 verse 25, Therefore laying aside. Falsehood. Folks, falsehood is the way we used to live. Do you think you'll ever be tempted to lie? You don't want to lie? You hate it? Or this, <clears throat> look at what it says <clears throat> here in verse... Uh, let's see if I can find it here. Verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor and slander be... There's our same word, put away. And I won't go through all the places in our Bible, but I will mention two. Hebrews 12.1 says that we are to lay aside... The sin that so easily trips us up in every weight. And Peter says that we're to lay aside bitterness and wrath, and like newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may. Folks, what they're saying is, all right, now that its lordship has snapped, it's been put to death. it's not raining in your life anymore as a believer. Grace is reigning. Alright, now put away this behavior. Alright, where do I start? Do I start this way? Do I say, okay, tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth. I'm going to make little index cards. Tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Folks, it begins here. Renewing your mind. Renewing your mind is where it begins. Because you're not just trying to change some outward behavior. You're trying to change who you are. So that I am just truthful... Folks, God doesn't have to sit there and say, all right, I'm going to decide to tell the truth today. God always tells the truth. Why? He is truth. I don't want to have to say, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. I want to be thankful. Everybody following me? I want my speech to be what I am inside. And it all begins with being renewed in the spirit of your mind. And Lord willing, we'll come this afternoon and we'll take a look at that, at how to do that. But folks, <clears throat> my heart my heart just goes out to you. It's hard enough to walk a worthy walk if you know how it's done. (laughs) But if you don't know how it's done, it must be absolutely frustrating. And I found in my short life... That in generally speaking, most Christians don't understand sanctification at all. They think that they can hear a sermon, walk down an aisle, ask God to forgive me, and say, Make me like Christ, and get up, and presto, you're it. It won't happen that way. Many Christians think that you can, oh, I know how I'm going to do this. I'm going to spend all night in prayer about it. Nothing wrong with praying all night. But that ain't going to change you. You've got to renew your mind. And folks, when you renew your mind, you will find that you're praying. But the source is renewing right here. The faculty of my mind is the entrance to my heart. That's where the change has to happen. Let's go to our Lord in prayer.